You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to another episode of Breakfast Show. You're listening to Voice of Islam Radio, that radio who's conveying the true and peaceful message of Islam here in the West. Broadcasting from the biggest mosque of Britain, the Battle for Two Mosque. My name is Shah Mali Ahmad, dear listeners, and I'm joined all, as always with my co-host and friend and brother and colleague and, of course, my professional expert in everything, Asim Hashmi. Asim, how As- are you doing? Asalaamu How are you doing? Well, some peace and blessings for love with you. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good, Alhamdulillah. You always, you always have the same style of clothing. It's easy, Sahil. Easy looking, yeah. I mean, the glasses is always the same. I, I don't, I don't, I can't recall that you have ever wear a different kind of glasses. I change my glasses every five, six years. Oh, okay. okay. Keep the same style. Yeah, I had to change my glasses once as well. You never remember when you, when you broke mine. <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah, when we were in uh, one room, same room in uh, Jamia, the uh, Institute of Theology. Where we what started. happened? You, I just went outside the room. You were cleaning up the room, and my my glasses was basically on the desk. And you came back, and you were standing in front of my desk, like, and uh, everyone else was standing there as well. It's like uh, the feeling was like someone has passed away. And what happened? And you said, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And I was looking at my glasses, and they were in two pieces. Are you sure that that was me? Yeah, it was you. I don't I'm recall that. Age. I don't I'm recall that. Sure. <laughs> my first glasses you broke. Well, it's always good to get new glasses. Yeah, so well, I'm not... Actually, I've never been to, like... Never used to wear glasses. Oh, okay. Even now, I'm not wearing a glasses. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, this is now... This is past, even though I do miss uh, glasses, but this is past. <laughs> awesome. Um, today, uh, we have two topics we will, we will discuss yeah. for our listeners. What are the topics? So, um, our first segment will be an uh, increase of people with anxiety orders more All than right. ever before. Oh, okay. And our second segment is why humans have more voice control than any other primates. And what is, like, the main topics, uh, what will we discuss? So, for the first uh, segment, basically, like, we are going to discuss um, what is an anxiety order, um, what can cause anxiety orders, some risk factors and uh, what sort of changes have occurred uh, in the last few years that may have caused the rise in anxiety orders and also what are some ways and tricks uh, to decrease anxiety orders and do we have also some guests yes absolutely we have two guests uh, for the first segment we've got Di- uh, David Smithson um, who's a operation director of anxiety at Anxiety UK, the leading UK charity supporting people with anxiety. And the second guest is Dr. Shaquille Ahmed, who is a consultant um, based in London. He specializes in working with adult mental health disorder. Mm, great. And what's for the second topic? Uh, for the second topic, we've got uh, Dr. Rebecca Woods. Rebecca is a senior lecturer in language and Cognition at Newcastle University. Uh, we are going to discuss um, that uh, uh, what do humans lack that all other primates have, enabling humans to have an advanced voice control. Also, uh, how do most primates uh, make sound in contrast to human? Mm, so okay, these are some interesting. Yeah. 
Well, 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 we have interesting topics today, dear listeners, so do me a favor. While watching or listening to the show, make yourself a coffee, a healthy breakfast, and do enjoy the show. But before we go to our first segment, Asim, what is the headlines of today? Yes, so first, if we look at, uh, at the weather, uh, headline is windy with sunshine and showers today. Windy? Oh, we got everything then. We yeah, got we got wind, everything. We got the just, just snow is missing, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. all in one. <laughs> yeah. like Rain across far north and northwest will turn more showery by afternoon. With some snow over high ground. Okay, so Where? we're not. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. we're not missing snow in the so, UK. So we, we, we got everything. Well. Yeah. Damn. Elsewhere, a windy day with mixture of sunshine and showers, heavy in the west, best of dry weather in the east. Mm. So, dear listeners, uh, make sure that you, even though we have the sun, but we have also rain, it's windy, and up in the north we have snow. So, make sure when you go outside that you are your clothing is uh, suitable. Awesome. According to you, clothing, I think you are kind of a summer guy who loves the sun more than the winter, the snow. Um, a bit of both, to be honest. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I was close to. Yeah. Mm. I like it uh, not uh, like sunny, not too sunny, not too. So you, uh, rainy. you're the like one in the middle. You're the, you're the one who's going the middle way. Yeah, yeah. This is very like. Honorable. I mean, people can't mention use the middle way, and you just showing it how to do it. Wow. Oh, amazing. Um, awesome. Yesterday, it was quite rainy as well, windy as yes, well. Yes, it, it was, yeah. And I was outside, and I had no, like, I was without my hat, I'd, and um, I had no umbrella. So I didn't know what to do, so I went to the next shop and buy, bought a cap as well, a winter cap. And I realized that after a long time, I bought a winter cap again. How did you feel? Normal. No, mostly. I didn't feel anything. Else. But I thought it's gonna be a very special moment for me, but it wasn't. Though. <laughs> anyway, uh, some any other news you want to share with us? Yes, we have a lot of news. We've got um, COVID in China. Yes. U.S. imposes COVID testing for visitors from China. So China has lifted up uh, that restriction, and people are allowed to travel abroad mm-hmm. from yeah. China. Okay. Italy, Japan, Taiwan, and India also announced mandatory tests, but Australia and UK said there there were no new rules for traveling from China. After three years of being closed to the world, China will let people travel f- more freely from 8 January. But uh, the country's ongoing COVID surge has sparked uh, weariness. Uh, China is reporting about 5,000 cases a day, but... Uh, um, s- s- members are vastly undercounted, and daily case load may be closer to a million. Uh, I mean, uh, so this means uh, because I'm asking because just a few weeks ago mm-hmm. I was in home bargains, I'm wearing a mask, and a person came to me and said, "Listen, you're a young person, you shouldn't wear a mask." <laughs> no, and he was like a bit aggressive as well when I said, "Yeah, well, COVID is still here." And it is, uh, I mean, uh, the numbers are raising. And he said, yeah, but you don't have to wear it. It's just fake. And even my son was there. And he said, you know what? You and your son are screwed up when you're behaving like this. And I said, well, okay, well, I'm just following the guidance of the government. If I'm screwed up, then the government, God forbid, might be screwed up as well in 10 years. And he said, yeah, of course, blah, 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 blah. But anyhow, I, you know, in that moment, he wanted me to take off the mask. And I, then I realized how he always basically feel. Hmm. 
when they were actually asked to take off the hijab. But coming back to COVID, COVID is something, you know, people uh, just, people got divided in two parts. Few people, they don't still believe on COVID, even though I told that person as well that I have, I do some people who have unfortunately passed away because of COVID as well or got ill because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. And then there are, of course, people who basically do believe in following the guidance as well. But it is very, like, and the way those people who basically say there's no COVID, they are, even though they are getting ill because of COVID, still will say it's not because of COVID. Yeah, we just got a flu. That's it, yeah. Exactly. Even though they, they are in the hospital because of flu, mm. they still will say, no, it's not COVID. But uh, the numbers are increasing in uh, China. People are coming now to abroad uh, first time because they are looking forward for holidays as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Chinese people do travel a lot, doesn't Yes, that? yes. Um, I think um, there should be some restriction as well, I believe, because for, for, for the other people, of course, the government knows better what to do or not to do. Mm-hmm. It could be coming soon, we never know. Do we have any other strikes? I mean, this is very common as well here in the UK. There are lots of strikes. It's it's really hard to mention one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just start counting, and I don't know. I've only got ten fingers. So, so we also have uh, U.S. Uh, winter storms that troll rises as bad weather drags on. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. So a powerful winter storm that slammed North America has claimed more lives in the U.S. state of New York. Local officials say at least thirty-four people have died in the Erie County, which includes the city of Buffalo, County Executive Mark uh, Polankar said on Wednesday. Authorities are still trying to identify three of the victims. The storm that swept across the U.S. over the holiday weekend has killed at least 60 people in eight states. So that is uh, really devastating. No, it is devastating. I mean... Losing a life is all, always devastating, and then 35 people because of bad weather. It's, I mean, it's a heavy bad weather anyway. Yeah. Pe- uh, people should take care. So, um, Asim, we have, after a long World Cup, a very interesting World Cup, to be honest, mm-hmm. yeah, a yeah. very interesting final. We had seen that the Premier League is back as well. Finally, finally. Oh, oh, and it started off with the banging results. Really, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, the funny thing is, you know, um, on Boxing Day, basically, Boxing Day is very famous around the globe. It would come because people don't think about going and buying stuff. Mm-hmm. Those people living in Europe, they just think, okay, Premier League is there and they have exciting matches. Yeah, yeah. So, what matches did we have on the back- Boxing Day? Boxing Day, yeah. Let me just get that out. Uh, we had some interesting matches. So, on Monday, which was Boxing Day, we had uh, Tottenham Brentford. Uh, Brentford was actually winning 2 0, and Tottenham came back all of a sudden and uh, drew 2 2. Crystal Palace lost against Fulham 3 0. Uh, we had Leicester United, uh, Newcastle United. Newcastle United is actually performing really well. They scored three goals. Uh, we had Liverpool uh, winning 3 1. We had Arsenal winning 3 1 as well. So all the big teams are actually won. Do you on think Boxing Arsenal Day. can win the Premier League? Oh, if you saw their gameplay, it, it is actually amazing. Um, but do you think they can? go through that I mean there's uh, still a lot of matches to play and mm. can they handle the 
struggle and can yeah. they handle the pressure I, as well? I believe anything can happen, Sayed. Yeah. We had Leicester winning the Premier League. Uh, yeah, well, Once. Once. Yeah, so Arsenal is performing really well. They got Gabriel Jesus who's injured, but still the other players are stepping up. And then on the next day, we had Chelsea winning uh, 2-0 against FC Bournemouth, And then also Man U winning versus Nottingham 3-0. So all the big teams did perform. And of course, yesterday we had uh, Man City winning 3-1. Is it Man City or is it Erling Haaland winning? Erling Haaland. So they say Erling Haaland became the fastest player to reach 20 Premier League goals at Manchester City, overcoming a stubborn lead to reduce Arsenal lead at the top of the table to five points. So Man City are five points behind Arsenal. I mean, Man, Man City is always performing well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Newcastle is coming as well now. Mm-hmm. The Premier League is always very interesting. Do you listen, just one another news awesome I want to share is about our um, late, not late, but our retired Pope, not our, but the retired Pope, or Pope of the Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic Church. Uh, Benedict, who is very ill, and the current Pope Francis, appeals for prayers for him. He says that former Pope Benedict the Sixteen is very ill, and he has asked pilgrims at the Vatican to pray for him. Benedict, who is 95, became the first leader of the Catholic Church to stand down in 600 years in 2013. At the end of the Pope's final audience of the year, he asked people to pray a special prayer for Pope Benedict. The Vatican then said that the ex-Pope's health had worsened in recent hours. The situation at the moment remains under control, constantly followed by Dr. Sage spokesman Matteo Bruni. Pope Francis, Francis was addressing a general audience in the Vatican. Uh, Vatican's Paul uh, V. when he looked sorry, Paul Thal, when he looked up from a piece of paper and spoke about Benedict's declining health. He then made a short trip from the hall to the Vatican Gardens to see Benedict at the Meta Escalisi Monastery, where he has lived since he stepped down. So early this month, Francis revealed he frequently visited the, uh, his uh, previous uh, uh, colleague, or the previous Pope, mm-hmm. and uh, he's uh, very... Um, the, the situation is that he's very ill and um, he's very worried about his health as well and he's going around and asking people for prayer for him um, Asun, um I know it's not an easy job being a Pope as well but as for example Khilafat we have we have a successor as well yes yeah uh, and uh, th- this Islamic Khilafat started after the demise of the Holy Prophet Muhammad with having Abu Bakr Sadiq as the first caliph of Islam and this carried on for almost 40 years and after a big gap came and then according to our belief we believe that the long awaited Messiah and the Mahdi he has come in the person of Hazrat Mr. Ghulam Ahmed Qadiani the founder of this community as well and after when he passed away in 1908, again, Khilafat was established. And uh, here we see that, and um, we have, for example, this example of Benedict XVI who stepped mm-hmm. down as a pope because of certain um, issues or because of health issues. But here we see that even if it, I mean, 
uh, it's God's blessing that our uh, khulafas or caliphs were blessed with a healthy life as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. But regardless how difficult the job actually is, it's not like they will step down. They will carry on. They will carry on, yeah, until the last day, yeah. And uh, the, the, the main thing we always have seen that it is basically Allah, God, who has always helped mm-hmm. his people through very difficult times. Dear listeners, um, this is a topic we will discuss in the first segment as well, that how caliphs and how our prophets went to trial as well and how they succeeded in difficult moments. Asim, um, we were talking about um, a person as well, Pe- Pele, sorry, I was just saying Pepe. Pele is also very ill. Oh, yes, he is, yes, yes. And yes. he is also suffering. Um, I've heard that S- some rumors are he's already passed away. Some are saying. Some are saying. So we're not sure. The chemotherapy is not working on it anymore because his body is too weak and they can't mm-hmm. go uh, proceed further with that. Um, he is a legend when it comes to football. People are talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, about Messi being the goat, mm-hmm. the greatest yeah, of yeah, all yeah. time. But at, we, at that time, they, we had Maradona, we had Pele. It would be different if we had them as well. If Pele winning the World Cup three times, mm. no one could. No one has done it after him, right? No one. Yeah. And uh, uh, it is very difficult to say. If we talk about all time, the greatest of all time, we just can't. We just it's focusing on the moment. Not possible. Yeah. yeah. We, we, <laughs> we just focus on that moment right now we have in front of us. But mm. yeah, yeah. Pele has been always. If you look, if you think about football, you you will think about Pele, or if you think about Pele, you will think about football. He has been magnificent. How the way he has played, I've never seen him playing well, football, unfortunately. But but those I believe who have seen him will see that the way he played football because Brazilian, the way they play football is very amazing. It's like it's like magic. Magic, exactly. I mean, we've seen clips and videos of how he was he used to play. You know. It's, uh, it was quite amazing. For us as um, the, uh, Muslims, or Muslims, uh, we always pray for the health of everyone. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone is Allah's creation. We know Allah loves His creation, so we do the same. We don't. We show all uh, empathy and uh, love with everyone, and we do pray for Benedict XVI and Pele and everyone who is ill, suffering from any diseases. May Allah give them a long and healthy life. I mean, Asim, uh, we have. Anything else to share with us? Yeah, so as we were talking about strikes and we couldn't name just one strike which is happening, so uh, there's a news that further strikes could lie ahead in 2023, says the union body TUC. Um, so further strikes could lie ahead in 2023 unless the government enters talks with unions over wages, the TUC has warned. So uh, we could see more strikes if the government uh, refuses to, you know, negotiate, and uh, there will be some industrial actions also in 2023. So they really want, you know, people to get the fair wages. Uh, I mean, as um, I, I had this discussing with someone else as well that how difficult it is for f- people, uh, for doctors for nurses mm. uh, that they working hard but still had to go to a food bank and t- uh, I mean they can couldn't just uh, rely on, on the income they that, had to that's sad yeah 
they had to go to food bank and they had to ask f- there for food not only for themselves but also for the family uh, and uh, of course um i just hope we just hope it comes to an end and uh, that they come to a solution and that every party sits down and uh, discusses this matter um dear listeners we will go now for a short break and after the short break we'll be back with the first segment which is about anxiety and stress and uh, we will discuss the islamic topic as well and what islam says how to go through that very difficult moment uh, do us a favor uh, stay tuned with the voice of islam ready you will be back after a short break Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to the Breakfast Show. My name is Charmin Ahmed and I'm joined here with Asim Hashmi and we go no. Asim. Looks like you had a short, quick breakfast style. Uh no, I just took a snack. Um sorry for that. But Asim um, you know, I need to tell you a story because we are talking about mental health, yeah, yeah. you know, about anxiety and depression. I have a problem. See the issue now. Okay, okay, let's get serious. So what happened is, my son broke the remote control. Oh my God. I can't use the television anymore. Now I'm serious. <laughs> and uh, it is not that, of course, I've, my, I've got my mobile as well and I'm... Um, Okay, what YouTube, Netflix, etc. On my mobile. It is not that matter. <laughs> the matter is, I can't play PlayStation anymore. <laughs> it's not like I can't play PlayStation on my mobile. Oh, and sometimes when I sit in front of my television, having the control in my hand, not the remote control, mm. PlayStation yeah, controller, yeah. it feels like, you know, our relationship is coming to an end now. <laughs> It's a sign, sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> so whatever. You can always uh, press the button underneath the TV and turn it on. No, Have you it's tried not. That? It's, no, it's not working. No. No. Oh. Try a lot of things. Have we tried uh, ordering from Amazon next day delivery? Uh, no, I tried to fix it by myself, and oh, I, made okay. I think and I made it even more worse. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. So this is kind of a very sad feeling as it well. It just shows how much we are reliant and into this. Uh, the technology yeah, things, uh, you know, and we no, can't live without. I would go, I would go outside with my son, but it's a problem. There's yeah, so yes. many viruses <laughs> going around. I'm scared for my son's health, and um, obviously we go out a bit. Mm-hmm. But some um, PlayStation is is a must, you know. PlayStation. I mean, I know my PlayStation since it was a PlayStation One, 
I know the beginning. I've seen the beginning, and I grew up with that. I played FIFA. I played too many games. I saved the world, etc. Well, anyhow, this is something. So, how did you cope with anxiety? Well, uh, there are many uh, ways <laughs> to go through that, and this is what we discussed today. If for our listeners, can you tell us what is the gist of today's story? Sure, I will. So, Sile, the gist is that a new study reveals that 39% of adults in the U.S. are more anxious today than they were a year ago. Researchers say anxiety is more prevalent in millennials, especially females. Science, this is actually a really worrying percentage. 39% of people are more worried than they were worried in one year. It's only in the U.S., happening dear listeners if you have any solution how to go through anxiety or what you do to, uh, during depression you can call in at any time at 020-868-787 or you can tweet us at voice of islam uk awesome um we just uh, the number you just presented is about the uh, us and uh, 39 is a huge number you're right with that and this is just the us um, we never can say you know, we can never can say for sure how many people are basically going to go uh, to anxiety or depression because a lot of people they don't talk to each other, they don't talk to anyone and express their feeling. They just keep it by themselves. So it could be it could also be the other side that people say I'm in depression, but really they're not really in depression. You know, it's just the remote control which broke. So <laughs> it's <laughs> maybe maybe you never know. <laughs> But I think uh, there are more people. Uh, the number is, I think, bigger than just that. Mm-hmm. People it could who, be, yeah, yeah. People who are, who are not um, to- uh, not ready to talk or don't think to uh, see anything. Um, as what is basically an anxiety disorder anyway? So, uh, an anxiety disorder differs, uh, you know, from normal feelings of nervousness and anxiousness, and involves excessive uh, fear or anxiety. So anxiety disorders are the most common of mental disorders and affect nearly 30% of adults at some point in their lives. But anxiety disorders are treatable and a number of effective treatments are available. Uh, Treatments help most people lead normal, productive lives. I see. And uh, anxiety disorders can cause you know, people to try to avoid situations that trigger or worsen their symptoms. Uh, job performance, schoolwork, and uh, personal relationship can be affected. So in general, for a person to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, their fear or anxiety must, uh, so they must have these uh, things, be out of proportion to the uh, situation or age in proportionate, a hinder ability to function normally, uh, there are several types of uh, anxiety disorders, uh, like uh, general anxiety disorder, which involves persistent and excessive worry that uh, interferes uh, with daily activities. Uh, this uh, ongoing worry and tension may be accompanied by physical symptoms such as uh, restlessness, feeling uh, on edge, or easily fatigued, difficulty concentrating, or even muscle tensions or problems. Uh, problem sleeping. Um, there's also panic disorder. A core symptom of panic disorder is recurrent panic attacks 
an overwhelming combination of physical and psychological distress. Uh, phobias, we have mm. a lot of phobias, mm. you know, mm. uh, persistent fear of specific objects mm. like spiders, situation or activity that is generally not harmful. A patient know their fear is excessive, but they can't overcome it. Um, also, we got a uh, um, social anxiety disorder, a significant anxiety and discomfort about being embarrassed, humiliated, rejected, or locked down on in, you know, social interactions. And there's also separate separation anxiety, which is excessively fearful or anxious about separation from those uh, with whom or he or she is attached. You know, Asim, uh, anxiety and depression, they're basically two different things, right? We have mm-hmm. one, people, because uh, what people say is we have people who goes through anxiety and then we have people who are in de- depression. Yeah. And I think um, what I've seen is people who are in depression, it is for what I've like seen for myself, maybe I'm wrong, I'm not a professional about that, but, but I've seen that they never talk to anyone. They mm-hmm. keep themselves away from pe- other people. Sometimes even lock themselves up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. lost the hope as well. Mm-hmm. By anxiety, people are going to stress and dist- they can feel the stress even in the body, etc. Mm-hmm. But them, they never, like, they never lock themselves up. I think after anxiety, depression is the next step. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But of course, we uh, we will d- uh, discuss this as well. Uh, so, what do you think about those phobias? Scared of spiders? Uh, yeah. Well, um, you know, the, for me, there are a few pho- uh, uh, phobias which I think could be challenged as well by okay. some people. It's yeah. not like we had the, even a show about that that we c- people can go through that and people can basically challenge their fear. Like uh, hold a spider in front of you and challenge yourself? I'm not scared of spider. Oh, okay. Depends yeah. on the size though. If it's yeah. a big spider, it's a question yeah. different. If a spider was poison or etc. But even there, we were told that they won't harm you until you harm them. Mm. Mm. So they're just there on the wall and that's it, you know? Just ignore them, yes. Yeah. But small spiders, are, I wouldn't mind having them around me, to be honest. Oh, you wouldn't mind? No, I wouldn't mind. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Even though uh, spiders are actually very good, but uh, we're just okay. um, basically losing uh, the actual topic. But it's good that uh, we're coming back to the topic. Not, we're not only coming back to the topic, we're coming back, uh, we're coming back with uh, De- uh, Dave Sm- uh, Smithson to that topic. But that's what I'm going to say. Because, dear listeners, we have now Dave Smithson with us, who is uh, the operation director at Anxiety UK. The le- le- uh, leading UK charity supporting people with anxiety, stress, and or anxiety-based depression. Dave Smith and good morning and welcome and may the peace of blessing uh, may the peace and blessing of Allah be with you. Thank you. Good morning and thank you for inviting me to join you again. Uh, it's um, um, honor to have you again, um, Dave. We were talking about anxiety and depression. Can you just for our listeners? Can you just tell us what is the difference between uh, anxiety and depression? Um, Anxiety is very difficult, so I mean, they can be very similar, but in very simple, very simple terms, anxiety is more about worrying about what you think is going to happen, what might happen in the future, whereas depression is more worrying about something that's already happened. So it, it, they're both 
um, conditions that can leave you feeling very low. You're worrying about things. You're wondering. You know, you you're you're in a heightened state of 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 fear of something. Um, um, but the, the the real sort of depression can be, can be a very dark place to be in, a very very low place, very yeah. sort of isolated place. And anxiety can feel like that too. So they can they can both have very similar feelings, similar symptoms. But depression is normally about feeling really upset and really low about something that's already happened. Um, or and anxiety is more about worrying about what 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 is going to happen. Interesting, interesting. So, um, basically, can you say that depression is the next step of anxiety? They can often be, they're, they're two separate conditions, um, and they can often be comorbid. So, the, the anxiety can cause you to be deep, uh, become depressed. Mm. Um, so, you can be what they call comorbid. So, you can be, you know, both, both conditions can be present at the same time. So you're worrying about things that might happen in the future. Your anxiety is is making you very um, worried about things, may, making you feel very, very low and very, very down. And that can lead into the depression because the anxiety is there. You're then feeling very low and down and, 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 and dark in a dark place because of yeah. the anxiety. So the two can be can be co-present co at the same time. Right. And, 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 and can be linked. Okay. So Dave, you the op you are the operation director at Anxiety UK. So can you tell us what work does your organization do for people yeah. suffering with anxiety? So we, 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 we do a lot of work in terms of helping um, um, make people aware of what it is, how, how they can identify what it is that, that they are living with, because often it takes a long time for somebody to get a diagnosis of anxiety to actually realize and understand what you're living with so making people aware of the symptoms how it uh, how it manifests itself and then also what you can do to help manage it yourself if you can sometimes you know low levels of anxiety can be managed and dealt with um, by, by yourself self-management techniques um, self-help techniques But if the anxiety becomes so great that you can't manage yourself, then that's when you need to get some some help from maybe professional from your doctor or or a therapist that can provide you with some talking therapy, somewhere to to talk to to somebody about um, about those thoughts and feelings, and they can help you work on tools and strategies to to help manage that anxiety, to try and get that anxiety under control. And what we often say is, what we want to do is get you into a position where You're in control of the anxiety, and the anxiety is not in control of you. Um, about techniques, can you tell us more about that? How, wh what kind of techniques are there to go yeah. through anxiety? Certainly, I mean, there's grounding, some, some simple grounding techniques. Just thinking about um, something that, that, that concentrates your mind onto to something away from your mind ruminating about the anxiety when the anxiety starts to come in your mind is constantly thinking well what if and and then your mind goes off into a different to a different direction so grounding techniques will bring those thoughts back to the back to the here and now and, and focus you on on grounding you back in the present moment so simple techniques let's just like um, thinking about five things you can you can hear four things you can see three things you can touch two things you can um, 
uh, feel or uh, t- hear, mm. touch, feel, see, and then one long deep breath. Or breathing exercises are another good technique. Um, there is different types of breathing exercises, but effectively, what what um, without getting too involved in the science, you've got in, in inside your brain the sympathetic nerve and the parasympathetic nerve, and the sympathetic nerve is what what creates and helps stimulate the anxiety whereas a parasympathetic nerve will, will help control the anxiety and you can you can stimulate your parasympathetic nerve by breathing in through your nose holding the breath briefly and then breathing out through your mouth for, for a longer period so if you breathe in for about six seconds and then breathe out for about eight mm. to, to ten seconds that will help stimulate that 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 process and help help manage you that initial feeling of anxiety or panic so just simple breathing exercises can help um and then just mindful activities uh, mindfulness is another great tool and, and a way to tackle tackle anxiety that you can try just just doing something that that keeps you again focused grounded and focused in the present moment things like just things like um knitting gardening mm. um you know, just just going in the kitchen, doing some baking or doing some cooking or um, crocheting is a good mindful activity. Those kind of things, something that's just got you focused on 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 that present moment. So those are some of the things you can do for yourself. There's lots of lots of self-help books and self-help materials available mm. as well that that you can read and, and help guide you on that. Interesting, um, Dave. Which kinds of people are more commonly seen to be suffering with anxiety? interesting question i think one of the things we often say is it, it, it doesn't discriminate it doesn't you know anxiety is not a condition that that, that does necessarily um target a specific uh, a specific type of person or, or age or gender or, or anything else it can it can you know affect anybody it just mm. depends on on the circumstances on your it can depend on your your, your dna um you know it can be a genetic condition that, that if, if, if you are you can be more prone to anxiety if you've got a, a parent who, who's prone to anxiety for example um, and there's a big study going on looking at that genetic link at the moment um, so it, it, it's it's not you know it's not as if it suits it, it can absolutely you know occur for anybody at any age any any time in life and you know sometimes you hear people um maybe a, a famous premiership footballer or a rock star or mm. a movie star saying that they've got anxiety. And you hear people say, well, what have you got to be anxious about? And you know, You've got this perfect lifestyle. And it's, it's not about that. I mean, it's, it's you know, they, they might have, in, in some people's eyes, they might perceive that they've got nothing to be anxious about. That, you know, they can't stop themselves being anxious because that's, that's just the way their body reacts to certain situations. Interesting. So, Dave, my question is that um, how does suffering with anxiety hinder one's uh, daily life? So, it can it, it can stop you functioning effectively. It can mm-hmm. stop you wanting to get out of bed and go to work in the morning. If if if, if it starts to impact, and this is where sometimes the the the, the line between anxiety and depression that we still talked about at the very start. Mm-hmm. can become a little bit blurred because the anxiety, if it's causing you to feel depressed as well, because you can't face getting up and, and, and functioning normally or going out the door and functioning normally, 
that that can become a depressive feeling as well. So anxiety um, in its worst state can, can can literally stop you wanting to do anything. I was talking to a lady once on our, on our helpline mm-hmm. who told me she'd never, and this is obviously before the COVID-19 pandemic, yeah. she told me she hadn't been outside of her house for over three years oh. because she was so afraid of going outside. The fear, the anxiety of, of leaving her own home was so great she just couldn't step outside the front door. So the anxiety, you know, it can it can really impair your 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 normal living functionality and and, and really disturb that sort of day to day living that, that most of us just take for granted. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so Dave, what do you believe is causing the rise in anxiety since uh, seen in the last few decades? You know, as as we yeah. I just read out, thirty nine percent more anxiety than last year. That that is a big number. Sure. I mean, I think some of that can be attributed to global events, things like we've just mentioned, the COVID pandemic Mm -hmm. has certainly uh, led to a rise in in, in anxiety for a lot of people. But for some of those, that was only short term. So once we got over that and we started to return to some degree of normality, their anxiety has diminished again. But that's certainly one factor. But other similar type of global events, I think... The rise in, in 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 generally in society, the way that we we want everything now, in that sort of instant gratification that we see people, you know, ordering everything that they want to buy online and having mm. it delivered within 24 hours. Yeah, in fact, yeah. you know, you suddenly tell somebody they've got to wait a week for something, and it's like they get they get all <laughs> hyper excited and anxious about when it's going to come. Mm. So those kind of, the changes in the way we live our lives, I think, is has created some levels of, of anxiety for people. But I think as well, what we've seen a lot of in, in the last 10, 20 years is lots of improvement in, in helping people and encouraging people to talk about their mental well-being and their mental health and to let people know that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to feel a little bit down from time to time and, and don't hide away with it, talk about it. So I think what we're seeing is more people talking about it is leading to that rise in those numbers because people are more comfortable to, to to open up and share their feelings and thoughts with other people. So I think some of it is a, a reflection of the success in that area, encouraging people to talk and get help. Um, so it's probably, it wasn't, you know, as, as low as we, we thought it was years ago. It's just that people didn't talk about it so much. Mm-hmm. So another question is that, do you think it will get worse over the years? Um, probably not now. I think we're probably... Um, might see some little bit more improvement in people talking about it. I think mm-hmm. we are still yeah. there's still ways to go, and still some people are still you know, very very shy or embarrassed or you know, don't feel comfortable talking about it. So I think that's that's a factor we have to consider. Um, who knows what 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 else might happen in the yeah, future? But I think we uh, we we've probably. Um, getting towards the peak of it I would expect um, but who knows I mean I, I, I would like to think that we could possibly get it to, to improve because we are talking about it more people get help earlier and sooner and therefore we don't have to wait uh, a longer a longer period of time for people to get treatment and support 
Dave, amazing. Uh, thank you for um, taking your time off for us. Uh, and thank you Pleasure. for the tips and advice you gave. Um, I wish you all the best and a, a wonderful uh, day ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. Same. Take care. Bye. Dear listeners, um, you just listened to Dave uh, Smithen, who's the operation director at Anxiety UK. You can find them at Anxiety UK. In Twitter, on Twitter, and uh, I'm sure you have listened to his tips and advice as well. If you have uh, taken, uh, if you have taken out uh, your pen and um, had noted out some of the techniques, I think they're going to be very helpful. If you have another techniques to share with us, you can call it at any time. O two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number, or you can tweet it at Voice of Islam UK. Awesome. Uh, anxiety, depression. Um, yeah. I was actually quite right what he just said that when about depression that mm -hmm. people basically just lock themselves up. But he, I'm, anxiety and depression, if it comes together, it must be very difficult for people to live and to go around then. And it is, um, I think, um, people need to know that there are ways to control the anxiety and depression Absolutely. as well. The yeah, technique yeah. was, um, for example, Dave just mentioned are very interesting, very interesting as well. Um, awesome, you know. Um, On the demise of the father of the problem Silas sort of stuff, the very yeah. famous incident happened, and then mm -hmm. he got a very famous revelation, which is also first of the Holy Quran. Allahu bikafin abdahu is Allah now sufficient for his pe people of his creation. And uh, that moment, the problem Silas sort of stuff, he was going through a very big grief because he lost his father, of course, yeah. who would take care of him for a long time, and uh, suddenly he felt like he's alone, but in that moment, basically, Allah came and helped him, mm -hmm. giving him that glad tidings. And now, the amazing thing is, awesome. Prophet Muhammad has said, since that promise Allah has made to him, he never broke that promise. And he always helped him to go through um, any uh, moment of difficulties. And You know the problem his time was very difficult as well. People were against him. And you know, a whole city, a country were basically against him. And not even that, he was, there was false allegation against him, which yeah, because yeah. of that he needed to go to the court as well. Mm -hmm. Or he was asked to go to the court. So this is, you know, for someone, for a normal person, a very difficult time. Mm -hmm. he could, a normal person would never could, could never go through that. But the problem has said that Allah, God never broke his promise by saying that Allah is, is Allah not sufficient for his people that basically telling him that I'm there for you mm -hmm. I believe you know for in Islam there is no thing like depression or anxiety in Islam a Muslim he will never think about that Islam basically says there's just one thing trial you know trial Allah will put you into trial, yeah, yeah. but this is because the, not because Allah hates you. God forbid, mm -hmm. Allah loves you. Mm -hmm. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu is very interesting. Dear listeners, the Prophet Muhammad has said that if Allah puts you not into a trial, then you should be worried because maybe you have done something very bad or big sin, and because of that, God has forgotten you. Because if someone if someone goes to trial, he will remember Allah quite often, and. As I said, for a Muslim, there is no depression or anxiety because he knows Allah. He trusts in Allah. And uh, it is a promise of Allah as well that after every hardship, there is ease. After every Absolutely, hardship, there is yeah. ease. Chapter yeah. 94, verse 6 and 7. The awesome thing, 
my conclusion, I know that uh, you will come as well, you're the expert here, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you've done a great job. Sorry. But I think um, this is something we need to understand that if people think that there is anxiety and depression, they will go to anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. But if they think they have no anxiety and depression, there's a friend who can help them, who's always willing to help them. And always here, whenever always, you need always, him. Whenever you need him, you can There's no timing, be, there's no nothing, you just be, go and that's it. Just go down, bow down and tell him whatever you have. Tell him frequently and he will listen to you and he will help you. And this is what we need and we need to trust to that friend which is in our belief is Allah. So, uh, dear listeners, um, we will go now for a short break. If you have anything to share with us, you can call it at any time. The number is 020-868-7787-8. Again, 020-868-7787-8. Or you can tweet us by at Voice of Islam UK. Awesome. Um, I know you have prepared a lot. Yeah. And I'm really, really looking forward to listening to that. What you just have prepared. But before that, we have a bit of time as well. Um, I just wanted to say one thing. Dear listeners, anxiety and depression—it um, is a part of our life. And uh, Asim, Dave has mentioned the group of people, Premiership people, players, on uh, on uh, other celebrities who are going to do uh, anxiety as well. And he said, I mean, he gave the example where like a normal person would think, why are they going to anxiety anyway? Mm-hmm. They got everything. Yeah. So this means basically this comes. It's to the it's the pressure of performing well. Pressure. I think, but I think. Even if you have everything, yeah, it's not enough. I think you need something different. You need change your thinking, and I believe the changing is that you should have more trust in Allah. Allah bizikrullahi that mainul kulub that with the remembrance of Allah, uh, heart can find comfort. Dear listeners, uh, we will go now for a short break. Do us a favor, make yourself a good coffee, a healthy breakfast, and stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio. We will be back after the show, after the news break. May the peace and, and blessings of Allah be with you all. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. May the peace and blessings of Allah be with you all. My name is Sharmin Ahmed, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Asim Hashmi. And, dear listeners, we are talking about anxiety and depression. We just had Dave Smithson. Just explain the difference between anxiety and depression and how mm-hmm. they can co work together as well, which is very sad to be honest. Awesome. Um, do you know the amazing thing is that we, while we're discussing about this thing and while we're also explaining it from this Islamic uh, perspective, we have also guests with us. And dear listeners, I'm very uh, delighted to say that we have now with us Dr. Shaquille Emmett, who is a consultant uh, psychiatrist based in London. He specializes in working with adult mental health disorders. Dr. Ahmed is the president of the New Malden branch of Ahmadiyya Muslim Association in the UK. So, Dr. Shaquille Ahmed, uh, good morning. Welcome to the Breakfast Show. And may the peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Thank you for the invitation. May peace be on you too and your listeners. Thank you for that. Um, Dr. Shaquille, um, from from a lay lay person's perspective, how can one work out that they or or someone they know has an anxiety disorder? Right. Um, I would first say that anxiety is part of a spectrum of natural human emotions. Mm-hmm. So you and I and everybody would experience some anxiety at some stage of our lives, and also perhaps on a daily basis. 
if we are getting late for a train that we need to catch, we will feel anxious. So not all anxiety needs to be seen as a disorder. Mm-hmm. However, one uh, useful tool that we can uh, utilize to decide whether it is a disorder or not is that our day-to-day functioning may begin to get impaired. So if a person finds it difficult to concentrate on their job due to their anxiety, or if a person who works at home finds it difficult to keep the house clean due to their anxiety, so any kind of functional impairment is likely to then uh, point us that maybe the anxiety has become so severe or so persistent that it could be a disorder. And that's a, that's a good general distinction to make. Anxiety has a, different types of symptoms. <clears throat> so I would say that the uh, people can focus whether their symptoms are severe enough or not. They can be physical symptoms. So we would experience our heart beating faster or sometimes people experience sweating or, you know, the lump in the throat feeling or the butterflies in the stomach feeling. These are all general anxiety uh, issues. There are uh, psychological symptoms as well, the apprehension, which is the core thing, or the fear of the unknown, sometimes difficulty in concentration, difficulty in sleep. So if these symptoms begin to interfere in our functionality, uh, I think one should consider uh, looking for help. And uh, um, Dr. Shagil, help. This is the key word, right? Um, There are few people who are not ready to ask for help. How can we encourage them? If we find out that he is going to anxiety, or um, the, encur- I I think the programs like you are doing, mm-hmm. uh, increasing public awareness, are a very important way to encourage people. Also, they, we should focus on our media and other aspects of education. I think it could also be brought into school and college and university education. So public awareness is very important. And the second thing is to help people understand that there is help available. It is treatable condition. And there is no need for people to just live with their functional impairment. Um, they, they should rather come forth, seek help, and improve the quality of their life. Um, Dr. Shakil, um, in the beginning, uh, we just read out that uh, there's... Uh, study was saying that 39% of the people in the U.S. are going through uh, anxiety. Um, the number which are mostly presented, are the numbers, are they right? Or are there a few people as well who are not coming or not stepping forward and telling them that we are going through anxiety? Is the number always the right number? Um, you know, the study that you have referred to, I've not looked at it in any detail, mm-hmm. but you, you use the number of 39% of U.S. population. Yes. Uh, and the expression, I think, was, you said, that they are more worried now than before. Yes. So what we are talking about, on one hand, is one society, which mm-hmm. is United States. It's not a global study. The second thing is that we're talking that the relative increase in people's uh, worries rather than anxiety disorders, and they are two different things. The distinction I made earlier, that one can be worried about things, one can feel anxious, but that does not necessarily mean we have a disorder unless we have functional impairment. So 
But having said that, I think I agree with your previous guest who suggested that this could have been due to global events. Mm-hmm. Recent, there, there's been financial difficulties for people. More people are going hungry than before, even in the so-called developed world, mm. including our country here in the UK. And then there's been this COVID pressure on people. A lot of us have no personally uh, our friends or family who've lost their lives due to this. So it was a huge anxiety-provoking event for the whole world. So these kind of things do have an impact on people's degree of anxiety. But I think that if you were to analyze whether anxiety disorders are on the increase or not, or whether mental illness is on the increase or not overall, if if I see your question in that perspective, then what I would like to say is that broadly speaking, there you can categorize illnesses in mental illnesses into three types. The first would be secondary to a brain disease, you know, the the physical organ that sits inside our head, the brain, from which all mental functions come. If there is a brain disorder like epilepsy or we have a road traffic accident and then we develop a mental symptom, that's one type of mental illness. The other is consequence of the functioning of how our nerve cells relate to each other. And that is the second type of mental illness. And the third type is where anxiety usually fits in is how we respond to our environment. Now, if the environment or our perception of the environment is changing, let's say due to social trends, then of course our mental response to those trends is also going to change because we are human beings. We react emotionally to the trends around us. And I think it's easy to see that there is a trend towards materialism in the world. So more people are longing for worldly success, more wealth, nicer car, bigger house, designer clothes. And this longing does not have an end. Think of you and I having got something nice, a nice car, let's say, but Soon after, a short period after you get that new thing, the excitement about it wears off. And then the person who's used to wanting newer and newer things, the longing comes back again. So there is no end to this longing when we live with a focus on material gain. And that would keep us anxious. On the other hand, if our sense of achievement and satisfaction was linked to something more more, of a different nature. Let's say that somebody was focused on helping whoever they come across and they may need help, a needy person. A small amount of charity, helping an old neighbor bring their groceries for them once a week, etc. Now, that person is going to get satisfaction very repeatedly and without that unnecessary longing or anxiety troubling them on a day-to-day basis. Now, this phenomena or the distinction that I'm making, even though it could be true that anyone can employ it, but the more we think about the higher purpose of life and our creator, 
the more successful we are in making this transition from a worldly pursuit to a different type of pursuit. Let's start calling it a spiritual or a moral pursuit. And that distinction is very important. In UK, the census, the population census that takes place every 10 years, from 2001 to 2011, the people who said that they're not practicing Christians reduced from something like 70% to around 50%. Mm. And then from 2011 to 2021, down to around 35%. And the, same, uh, the opposite is true about people who say they have no faith. So there is a shift away from God, and there is a shift towards materialism. And that would inevitably increase our uh, sense of apprehension or nervousness, which presents with anxiety. And in some cases, unfortunately, it becomes a disorder too. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, Dr. Shakil, my question is that, you know, what kind of treatment methods are available for anxiety disorders? Um, there are different types of treatment methods, but the first thing I would suggest to anyone is to think of some strategies, the lifestyle adjustment. Mm -hmm. So planning your day helps a lot. Focus on the essentials, prioritize on what is more important so that time pressures don't make you more anxious. Um, improve your regularity of sleep. Just like with physical health, immunity improves with sleeping regular hours, psychologically or mentally, our anxiety is reduced due to certain neurotransmitters, the chemicals in the brain which our nerve cells use to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. um, there's something called sleep schedule, which is going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, avoiding stimulant drinks like coffee or Coke before going to bed, avoiding a heavy screen time before going to bed. So that's one thing in terms of improving your lifestyle strategy. The second important thing would be to tap into your support networks, uh, whether it's your family or your close friends or some kind of social community, religious community, um, but support from people who you can trust and who are going to be able to listen to your issues and give you time for it and then sincerely advise you whichever way they think is best is also a very effective remedy. Mm -hmm. In some ways, when people don't have this, because of, again, I would say, the, the materialism breaking the family system and making us very isolated and individualistic lives, then, then people don't have very close family relations or friends. And then they need therapists and counselors more than people who have this kind of support network. So that will be the other important thing to tap into. And then we come into formal treatment. If the first two things are not sufficient and are not fully helpful or not available, then we can go into uh, treatment. Treatment mainly focus on two types, the psychotherapy or psychological treatment, and then medication. For a lot of anxiety disorders, psychological treatment is the first 
uh, approach. And psychological treatments can be cognitive approach or cognitive behavior therapy. Uh, I think, again, your previous uh, guest mentioned mindfulness, which is a very effective uh, way to reduce your anxiety. Uh, basically, what you're doing is to focusing on something more significant in your immediate surroundings rather than anywhere else in the world. So giving up a little bit of our social media time is important mm -hmm. in that yeah. respect. And it, it's meditation. So if somebody is used to meditation in a different way, that's also helpful. Prayers is meditation. That's helpful. And if somebody is used to praying five times a day, that will be five times more helpful. Uh, I will tell you that there are increasing number of uh, studies coming out of Scandinavia and California and some other parts of Europe that are comparing now anxiety disorders and their prognosis mean, means how well a person does once they have a disorder, comparing people with organized religion and without organized religion. And the incidence of such disorders in people who belong to an organized religion is less. And if they do develop such a condition, they do better. Mm -hmm. So that's also very significant. Interesting. So uh, my last question is that uh, there's often a debate, you know, on which types of treatments for anxiety are more beneficial, medication or talking to uh, like taking ter therapy. As, what is your opinion on this? The, the normal approach is, the evidence is that for mild to moderate anxieties, mm -hmm. talking therapy or psychotherapy is the way forward and can be helpful. Okay. For more severe anxieties, you've got to use medication and the two together would be better rather than just one of them. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Shigil, thank you uh, for taking out your time. I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you again. Thank you very much for inviting me. Dear listener, the number is 020-86877878. Uh, if you have any advice or you want to share with us how to go through anxiety or depression, you can call it any time or you can tweet us at, by at Voice of Islam UK. Awesome. Uh, you know, um, f I just remembered... Yes. Uh, a few years ago, I was listening to a very uh, famous speech and very interesting speech of our one of our prominent uh, scholar of this community, late Barik Ahmed Nazisa, who passed mm -hmm. away this year. Yeah. He now you know you need to understand how he started his speech. Okay. He said that live uh, there are people living here in the Western society who have everything: two cars, two houses, money, healthy life, uh, everything, right? Wealth, what they need. What do you think? What people mostly think you need for life, they got it. But he said, still, these people, they taking sleeping pills to sleep, to have a healthy sleep, to have a peaceful sleep. And the reason is because they still go through anxiety, even though they have everything. And then he said, then he said that his actual topic of today's speech is how we can get closer to Allah, or why we should get closer to Allah. So before he started his speech, before he mentioned the topic of his speech, He said, if we are not following his speech or if we're not following his guidance, we will end up like these people as well. Mm -hmm. Because even these people, which we think they have everything, if they are going through that, and this means that there must be not something else, world, worldly lifestyle is not the solution in the end. 
तो एब्सोल्युटली आई मीन आई गॉट अ इंस्टेंट एज़ वेल वे आई वांट टू अ कबाब शॉप ओके अमेजिंग एंड दे मेक रियली नाइस कबाब्स दैट वाज लाइक 10 इयर्स अगो एंड देन द ओनर ऑफ द कबाब शॉप सेड यू नो आई गॉट एवरीथिंग आई गॉट माय ओन कबाब शॉप्स आई गॉट मनी बट देयर्स देयर्स नो पीस देयर्स ओवर स्ट्रेस व्हाट वुड डू आई डू आई सेड टू हिम ही वाज अ मुस्लिम सो आई सेड टू हिम यू नो Uh, do you pray five times and then he was quiet he's like okay now I understand mm. i know the solution now so pe- people have everything they've got money they've got cars but they're still as you said you know they're sl- taking sleeping pills so the only way uh, to go forward is you know um to go to god i mean uh, yeah of course uh going to god is the solution we have one g- great example one of the biggest example is the holy prophet peace be upon him absolutely yeah. you know listen i mean dear listeners he went to trial every day basically put people his enemies would put him into trial yeah if i just mentioned those trial a normal person would say oh, i couldn't do that i mm-hmm. would never done this yeah um people would put his filth on him they would throw his filth on him they would beat him on the street or they would kill his beloved companions etc throw stones at him as well throw on uh, yeah stones so so thorns on him or boycott them as well but even though in the end as i said they never thought this is kind of anxiety or depression for us never thought in this way they said it's a kind of a trial and after a few moment this trial will go away i mean allah puts you in a trial and tests you and the you know, amazing thing is The trial was big, mm-hmm. but the blessings were bigger. These people who lived in the desert in that time, in the end up, end up, uh, ended up uh, living on a palace, mm-hmm. living yeah. in a palace, yeah, yeah. living a very good and healthy life. And the reason is, you know, Asim, this is the reason they never lost hope in Allah. We need to remember, as a Muslim, you can never lose your hope in Allah. You need to always trust in Allah. That Absol- is what we have learned from. the prophet of the, uh, of islam from the prophet messiah but also from other prophets as well absolutely so if if we look at uh, the story of hazrat ayub peace be upon him he he's uh, you know serves an inspiring example mm. of the power of faith and trust in allah so hazrat ayub was a wealthy man who was uh, you know blessed with many blessings um, including children good health however he eventually faced great hardship and loss as he lost all of his wealth and his children and became very ill despite this hazrat ayub um, remained patient and trusting in allah and his faith was eventually rewarded when he was restored to good health and given even greater blessing than before as you know these example demonstrate the importance of maintaining a close connection with allah even in times of hardship you know by turning to allah in times of distress and remembering him we can find uh, comfort and satisfaction in our hearts and be better able to cope with the challenges of life uh, his holiness hazrat mizan musulamat states that if you remember allah whenever you have any problem you bow before him you offer your five daily prayers uh, sincerely then allah will give comfort and satisfy your heart and you will feel comfortable and better so by sincerely engaging in practices such as prayers and seeking you know so closer connection with yeah, allah yeah. we can alleviate a significant portion of anxiety 
and find solace in times of difficulty. Dear listeners, we, we have a short clip to play as well from his, the current caliph where he's giving advice as guidance. How do you anxiety and depression? Do you enjoy that clip? We, have, we are involved too much in uh, materialistic things. The, the preference order of our desires and our wishes has changed. And instead of seeking Allah's love and Allah's closeness, we are running after worldly things. Hmm? This is the main cause of it. And uh, when your desires are not fulfilled, you cannot uh, get whatever you want, then you become frustrated. And then that frustration leads to anxiety. So this is what Allah Ta'ala has said in the Holy Quran, Allah that remembrance of Allah is the best way for the satisfaction of your heart. Right? So if you remember Allah, whenever you have any problem, you bow before Allah, you offer your five daily prayers fervently, sincerely, then Allah will give comfort and satisfy your heart, right? And resultantly, you will feel comfortable and better. And uh, most of the patients nowadays who are having uh, this anxiety problem are because they are too much inclined towards worldly things. So, if you try to get closer to Allah Ta'ala, then at least 80% of your anxiety will finish. Okay? So, you are lucky that Allah Ta'ala has given you the chance to be the member of that community who is following the, the reformer of the age, the promised Messiah, whose advent was foretold. So he has asked us that instead of running after worldly things, you try to get closer to your creator. And that will, that will give you satisfaction and comfort. And get closer to your creator. This is the message of our caliph. He gave her and told us how to go through anxiety. And I think this is the best message we can have. Um, dear listeners, um, I just want to read out one very famous uh, saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, or, that, uh, that, uh, or one habit of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which was when he would go to distress, he would say, Ya hayu, ya qayyum, bi rahmatika O living, O self-sustaining sustainer, in your mercy do I seek relief, and then do salam of your prayers. So basically, did this is what he would do as well. And even the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he would recite this particular prayer three times in sajda when he would bow down during mm-hmm. prayer. And uh, after every prayer, would also say La hola wa la uh, before you um, 
uh, uh, he would uh, uh, pray that 11 times before he would go to sleep. So, you know, even prophets, um, they would, of course, rely on God, and uh, God would help them go to the very difficult moments as well. Dear listeners, we will we have come to an end of the first segment. Uh, if you still have anything to share with us, you can call it at any time. Be a part of the show. The number is 020-86-877-878. Or you can tweet us by at Voice of Islam UK. We will go for a short break now. And after that, we will be back with our second segment, which is why humans have more voice control than any other primates. It's going to be very interesting because we have also a very interesting guest. Rebecca Woods will be with us. Sorry, Dr. Rebecca Woods will be with us as well, uh, discussing this matter as well. So do us a favor. Uh, if you have, if you haven't, then do make a good coffee, a healthy breakfast as well, and stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. My name is Shahmin Ahmed and I'm joined here with my co host, Asim Asim. Asim, coming to our second topic, can you, for our listeners, explain that? What is the second topic? So, Sahil, the second segment is why humans have more voice control than any other primates. And the gist of the story is that a crying baby, a screaming adult, a teenager whose voice cracks, people could have sounded this thrill at the time. A new study suggests if not for a crucial step in human evolution, humans have a key adaption like no other primate which has allowed the evolution of such advanced voice control giving birth to the many complex languages we speak today do you have a like when you were a uh, teenager we start talking and suddenly your voice just cracked because it still cracks really yeah well not mine anymore but i remember when you know when the time came my voice was changing and yeah, suddenly yeah. you know i was just saying and suddenly my voice is cracked and it was an embarrassing moment but especially when you do have to do a speech in front of the class and yeah. everyone is laughing at you and watching at you well at least people would enjoy uh, this I think um, I'm sure pretty sure it uh, happened to many many other people as well mm-hmm. yeah well you know if it comes to like uh, about voice about languages it is interesting that if you listen to us you might have seen it as well uh, people when they talk in different languages the way they sometimes express few words more with more emotion mm-hmm. m- sometimes with m- less emotion as well and uh, the, the way then they uh, make the voices are also very different like when, they, when for example no someone knows two languages in one language you will have another voice another motion as well and in the other language you would have a different emotion as well absolutely and even if we see some languages sound more aggressive as well yeah like Arabic people uh, when <laughs> they start it is I mean it's sometimes very interesting as well so for example um, uh, listen, if you have listened to a recitation of the Holy Quran it is very inter- very beautiful the way they do recite the recitation of the Holy Quran I don't want to make any Arabic person angry that's why I'm saying that but yeah sometimes it is uh, 
Not just <laughs> Arabic, but other languages. Other languages as well. Like, yes, yeah. even German people say yeah. it sounds it's very, very aggressive. aggressive. You know, <laughs> even though it's not aggressive for me. Uh, anyhow, Alson, it's very interesting the topic that we're going to discuss today. Dear listeners, um, therefore, to discuss this topic, it's very important to have someone who knows the topic as well, or who knows the matter as well. Uh, dear listeners, therefore, I am very delighted to say that we have with us Dr. Rebecca Woods, who's a senior lecturer in language and cognition at Newcastle University. She researches and teaches on child language acquisition. She is especially interested in how children acquire the grammar of their languages. Dr. Rebecca Woods, good morning. Welcome to the Breakfast Show. May the peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Inviting me to join you this morning. Um, it is our... Um, of course, we are very grateful uh, for you as well that you have joined. Um, Dr. Rebecca Woods, before we come to the actual topic and the questions, one question I need to ask is, a lot of parents, young parents, they said that their children are suffering from speech delay. What can they do? How can they uh, t helping their children to improve uh, their speech, their language? Um, well, the first thing that I would say is if they really are concerned, then you want to try and speak to your family doctor, you want to try to um, get in touch with a speech therapist, really go straight to the experts on this. Um, and it's, it's funny, actually, I was taken for speech therapy when I was little because I didn't start talking until I was two and a half. And as my mother will tell you, I haven't stopped since. Apparently, <laughs> 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 I was just being lazy. Um, so often, I think, especially with first children, you know, you haven't necessarily brought up a child before and you don't know what's normal for them. Um, but the important thing to do if you're concerned is always go straight to the experts. And to be honest, I'm not exactly an expert in this, in, in speech delay. Um, I tend to work mm -hmm. with, um, with um, larger populations and looking at patterns of how children tend to acquire language across communities. Um, so, yeah, getting individual help for your individual child is uh, always the best way to go. Interesting. Um, doctor, um, can you please share, us, share with us a little bit about your area of interest regarding the development of language in humans? Absolutely. I mean, you already gave a, a beautiful introduction to me. So I, I'm a linguist. That means it doesn't necessarily mean that I learn a lot of languages. I do speak more than one. Um, but what I really focus on is this system of communication that is unique to and universal across humans, right? Language. Um, so I study how children acquire the grammar of their first language or languages, because, of course, most of the world is actually growing up with more than one language. Um, and when I say grammar, what I'm interested in is things like how they learn uh, word order and how they learn those small parts of language which can carry so much meaning but are often smaller than individual words. Um, or things like how they use their language to indicate that they're asking a question rather than making a statement. Um, so I tend to, as I say, I tend to look at um, children as groups and pick up patterns in how children um, acquire a particular language or set of languages. Um, and they do some really, really similar things. They might do them at slightly different times, but it's really striking that you find patterns in how children um, acquire uh, languages, and, and even if those languages are different, um, which is really quite exciting. So I tend to work of, um, with children of around about two and a half, um, two and a half to five years old, when they really start to um, create longer sentences. Um, 
Yes, that's my main interest. Interesting. No, it's interesting. Um, uh, Doctor, um, one question which uh, which just come, came to my mind. That question I had uh, for a long time, but I never had anyone to ask. Language is something which we see it has been always be with us. But when did it start? When did like when came language to life? When did people actually uh, communicate with words? Uh, that's an incredibly difficult question to ask because language is sorry for that. No, no, it's, it's a fascinating one and, and lots of people are working on it. We'll probably never entirely know because, as I say, language doesn't leave fossils behind and written language is so much more recent than spoken or signed languages. Um, but all we can really do is look at the other evidence that we have for how societies used to be structured and the kind of activities they do and make inferences about language from them. And so what kind of activities were they doing um, that must have required some kind of complex communication system to achieve? Um, what kind of activities do we see evidence of all across the world where they must have shared information in order to spread that activity, that kind of thing. So actually, to try and understand when language started being used, um, we need to look outside of this sort of narrow field of linguistics and look at biology, anthropology, um, all these sorts of areas um, to sort of pick clues and, and see what we can uh, get from putting them all together. And then, of course, we also look at our nearest ancestors, so we look at or the nearest relations, so we can look at... Um, the communication systems, particularly in apes like chimpanzees and bonobos, see what they're doing now, what they're capable of learning, and start to see where we might have, uh, at what point when we diverged from them did we develop language. Mm, interesting, interesting. Um, Doctor, um, we observe that the human capability of expressive language is much more developed than other species. What basis do we have that enables us to speak at this advanced level? This is a great question, and I think um, going back to the apes um, sort of mm -hmm. helps us, and looking at the difference between us and them really helps. Um, so there's a very famous case of a bonobo ape called Kanzi. So he was born and brought up in a lab, um, a lab mm -hmm. and um, his mother was actually uh, the subject of some experiments when he was younger. Um, scientists were trying to teach her words using a keyboard that had pictures on it, which we call lexigrams. Uh, and so his mother didn't do particularly well at this, but Kanzi was around these experiments as a, as a baby bonobo. Um, and then one day that started spontaneously um, using these lexigrams and um, playing games with the, uh, with the experimenters. Um, and so he became part of the um, experiment and they started trying to teach him new words um, and play communicative games with him. Uh, and he, he did really well. <laughs> um, they think he learned up to around 3,000 words. He could put yeah. words together in short two- and three-word um, utterances. And in some experiments, he could understand um, sentences that the experimenter said to him at the same level as or better than a two-and-a-half-year-old child. Um, the thing is, he never really seemed to go past that point. Um, so, and, and the other thing that seems really important here um, is that he heard language or was exposed to it very young um, and in a playful, natural kind of a way. Um, so that suggests that Kanzi has lots of the sort of factors in him, biological and, and um, cognitive, that we need for language. Um, 
but we humans have been subject to lots of happy accidents along the way lots of other factors come into play that we've been exposed to and, and then gradually this complex system language has developed um, so for example we're a really social species and we know that children need interaction to acquire language you can't just play the radio or play the tv and have your child pick up language they actually need to learn it in an interactive setting whether that's between parent and child siblings and children other friends of their age um, the, the fact that we're social is such an important thing. So to return to your question, um, the human capability of expressive language is dependent on so many hmm. happy evolutionary accidents, I think. Thank you very much. Uh, so Dr. Rebecca, my question is that um, what in your view is the significance of this you know, big evolutionary jump? Do you think it is to do with the higher intellectual capabilities of humans? Um, I mean, as, as I say, I'm not sure that it's necessarily one big jump, but a really much more a gradual development like mm -hmm. a lot of evolutionary factors are. Yeah. Um, and it, certainly, yeah, we have developed higher intellectual capabilities. There's a really interesting question about whether language is a result of that or whether it has helped those develop. And it's probably a little bit of both. Um, so human cognition has a lot to do with the development of our capacity for language, though if we're honest, we're still working out exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to think about some of the cognitive capacities that we have, which are crucial for language learning, um, we're amazing pattern spotters, humans. Um, we're also brilliant statisticians. So anybody out there who thinks that they're bad at math, you're actually an amazing, uh, you've got amazing statistical powers in your head without you even knowing, because we use those to work out um, from the language that we hear, oh, okay, that's what that word means, or, oh, okay, in my language, um, words tend to end with these sorts of sounds, so I know that's the end of a word. This is something that children are doing when they're six months old. They're listening to this amazing stream of language and then picking out, okay, this is how words begin and this is how words end and then that's how they can start to learn what those words mean. Um, we're also really good at picking up on what we call hierarchical relationships. Mm -hmm. So words are not just like beads on a string, right? They actually look, um, uh, sentences, sorry, are not like beads on a string. They actually look a little bit more like um, trees um, with, if you, if you can imagine, a word on the end of each branch and that's how they relate to each other. Um, it's made up of, language is made up of groups of meaningful units within other meaningful units. So if you say something like, the cat likes fish, mm -hmm. you know, the cat means something, so does fish, but so does like fish. And you just can't throw another new bit of meaning into the sentence randomly and have it make meaning. So if we take our example of the cat likes fish, if you wanted to add and mice in there, where you add it in matters, because the cat and mice like fish, means something very different from the cat likes mice and fish hmm. right and babies know yeah. this from a really really young age it's amazing interesting uh, so um, you know one of your areas of research has been about a uh, non-adult language in children so do you think this can be linked to a more natural state of mind in the children that has not been adulterated by the world this is a really interesting question and i think the most interesting bit of it Mm -hmm. is the question of what the child's natural state of mind is. Yeah. Um, like, are children blank slates, or are they actually bringing something to the task of language learning? Um, 
And one of the greatest insights we have into what kids bring to language learning um, is a case of a sign language called Nicaraguan Sign Language. Um, so in Nicaragua, um, before the 1970s, deaf people tended to be quite isolated from each other unless they grew up in deaf families. Um, so to communicate, they would create um, systems of communications which we call home signs. Um, then in the 1970s, the first school for deaf children opened and the children all came together with their different home signs and they started to share them and create a shared system, which still didn't look quite like a fully fledged language because it didn't have a consistent grammar. Right. And then here's the fascinating thing. The next cohort of children who joined the school, who arrived at a younger age, they heard, well, they saw um, and joined in with what the older children were doing with their signing. Mm -hmm. And entirely subconsciously, they settled on a word order and they added in bits of grammar um, and the language became much more complex. And ultimately, it was the basis of the Nicaraguan Sign Language today. And what this means is that these cognitive processes in these younger children, so something in their brain, pushed them towards interpreting and reusing the sign language they were seeing in very specific ways, right? Their brains couldn't help but restructure what they heard um, into, into a grammar, um, which suggests really that children are not blank slates. They're coming, to, they're coming into the world with cognitive process, processes and biases, which are from their ancestors, um, essentially. Uh, and we can also see this um, a little bit in some of the mistakes children make. And um, so I'm sure um, that, that uh, your listeners have some funny stories about when children they know were learning language and, and, and made cute mistakes. Mm. Um, but these mistakes also tend to show us that children know a lot about language very early on. Um, so, uh, I mean, in my house, um, we, we speak English. And um, uh, English, uh, children who are learning English often create new verbs. Um, so you're sort of a typical doing words, either out of existing ones or out of other types of words. And uh, this is something that my small child said the other day. Um, he, he, I was making breakfast and he said that I was jamming the toast. Can you imagine what I was doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, and this kind of mistake shows how sophisticated his understanding of English is, and he's only two and a half. Mm. Um, he knows what birds look like. He knows what they do. He knows how to create new ones. He overstretched on this occasion. Um, but yeah, it, this just goes to show that children are doing so much with what they hear from the very, very start. Absolutely. Dr. Rebecca, um, thank you for joining and um, discussing the topic with us. Um, I wish you all the best for the day and I wish you a new year, a blessing new year ahead as well. And to you, stay well and uh, thank you again for having me. Thank you again. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Dear listeners, you just listened to Rebecca Woods. Um, basically, what you just said in the, in the end uh, was really interesting and it's true, basically. You know, my son, he is listening and he's copying as well and yeah, try to yeah, copy and absolutely. he makes... Uh, just try to say the words mm. in this way as well. Yeah. As well as I mean, we, we wouldn't even know that, that the child is listening. Like me and my really? wife would talk just like that and then, and then we would uh, hear my child copying and be like, oh, okay. That was suddenly a surprise, he would, yeah. yeah. Suddenly yeah. he would, and, and in his own way, it's very uh, interesting and funny as well. Did you listen, uh, we just listened to Rebecca Woods, who's a senior lecturer in language and cognition at Newcastle University. Um, 
Dear listeners, I just want to know what language do you basically speak? Let us know. Call it at any time 020-868-77878 or tweet us by at Voice of Islam UK. Meanwhile, we go, we will play a short clip as well about this segment, regarding this segment. What they mean by intelligence is not applied intelligence, but potential intelligence. Sorry, was that? Potential intelligence. Oh. They are completely two different things. By potential intelligence it is meant that uh, the, the capability of the brain to store memory and the efficiency of uh, uh, transfer of information from one cell to the other, etc. These are factors with which a person is born. But he is not born with a with an applied intelligence. He is only employ, uh, born with possibilities, and those possibilities cannot be extended. There are the limitations imposed on every person. He can go to a certain limit and not beyond. That is what they mean. But if you probe them further, they will also tell you that most of us use very little of our potential intelligence. So it is not only possible, but it is, it may be very common that those who put in a lot of labor in developing their faculties, they may have been granted a much smaller great issue from God Yet, they are much more intelligent in practice than those people who are born with large craniums and much more grey matter in their heads. Because one has applied it and put it to proper use, the other has not applied it. So the living, real, actual intelligence is completely a different thing. And the potential intelligence is a different thing and this is what they speak of when they say that you are born with intelligence. Um, no, he, he was implying that it's uh, hereditary I mean, it's, it's, as well. It's a fact that it's uh, quite no, to a high degree, no, it's, just, it's hereditary. This, this is a debatable question. As far as the hereditary issue is concerned, everything is hereditary in a sense. The whole being of a child is hereditary. He's inherited his bone tissue, his muscle tissue, his skin tissue, his eyeball tissue, everything. So everything is hereditary. And the quality of not the parents, but of a very long line, may have got imprint, imprinted into the genes to a degree that that man may become distinctive in that particular feature. But he may not inherit it at all because there are so many lines and blood streams which are joining at every couple, juncture of every couple, that uh, it becomes very, very difficult, almost impossible to determine what sort of a child would be born to an intelligent parent because both of them have some dominant features in their genes and some recessive features. And they themselves are a complex being, each one of them is a complex being, which may have many, many possibilities. 
So how those possibilities will develop ultimately uh, into a particular child, nobody can say. So this, even this claim is very vague. That people are born with intelligence, they inherit things. Everybody of course inherits everything. But how much can one inherit and whether somebody is really at a great disadvantage over the other, apparently they may be the same, but because of only hereditary reasons, that is not easy to determine. In fact, it is impossible to determine. But what is possible is, and very possible, I mean this is a commonplace thing, it is possible to determine whether somebody has applied his gifts from God usefully or not. If he does that, he has so much scope for developing his intelligence that it is almost impossible for a man to claim that all the grey matter which was provided to me by Allah and all the hereditary features which were given to me at the birth have been exhausted and yet I can apply more labor but I have no way to, to, to expand because everything I find, you know, no elbow room for, for the development. This is what is not possible. Because everybody is provided with so much by God that even the man at the lowest level has many possibilities unexplored. Dear listener, you just listened to a clip of the first caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Awesome. You know, about if it comes to language, um, the problem with Salah is that Islam, he wrote a book. Uh, in this book, uh, the, the book's name is uh, Minan Rahman. He basically claimed in this book that Arabic is the first language. And um, he basically prayed for this as well. And Allah gave him the knowledge to the verse, uh, which is recited in the early Quran. Uh, chapter 30 verse 23 where Allah says and among his signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth and the diversity of your tongues and colors and that surely are signs for those who possess knowledge and the Prophet claimed in light of this chronic verses he said all praise is due to Allah the sustainer the beneficent to him belongs all excellence grace and goodness he created man and taught him a plain language and out of one language, he created various languages in different countries, just, he, just as he created various colors of mankind, out of one color. And he made Arabic the mother of all languages. He made it, like, he made it the like of the sun in brightness and luster. So he claimed that the true science of language has been taught in the Quran, explaining the unique characteristic of the Arabic language. He created man, then taught him speech and guided him. So basically, that Arabic is... Uh, mother tongue of all the languages and yeah. through Arabic all the languages came to exist in our life dear listeners um, we have come to the end of the show um, if you have if you like the show you can listen to the show again on SoundCloud uh, before I go awesome thank you again for your help for your advices as well I'm sure listeners have enjoyed listening to your words as well I'm also very grateful to our guests we had today, uh, the listeners, for the first segment we had Dave Smithman and Dr. Shiki Lemon who discussed us about the topic of anxiety and depression. And in the second segment, we had Dr. Rebecca Woods, who's a senior lecturer in language and cognition at Newcastle University, who talked about languages and the interesting thing about language as well. Um, I'm also very grateful to our producers, uh, Malahat Atta, and to our uh, Malahat Atta uh, 
Saleh Ahmed and Halima Ahmed and to our researchers Halima Saleh Kanta Barira Waki to our tech uh, help as well or tech guy uh, who supported us as well thank you Zishan for your support dear listeners um, if you want to learn more about Islam stay tuned with the Voice of Islam radio we have the drive time show today coming on at 6 4, 4 o'clock or you can do me a favor and you can turn it tomorrow as we have our brothers uh, for the next show Peace and blessings, Father, be with you.